Chapter Twenty Nine of Zanoni by Edward Bulwer Lytton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kirk Ziegler. Amongst a body so debased as the convention, there still remained some chances that Robespierre would come off victor in the struggle. As Robespierre left the hall, there was a dead and ominous silence in the crowd without. The herd in every country side with success, and the rats run from the falling tower. But Robespierre, who wanted courage, never wanted pride, and the last often supplied the place of the first. Thoughtfully, and with impenetrable brow, he passed through the throng, leaning on St. Just, Payan and his brother following him. As they got into the open space, Robespierre abruptly broke the silence. How many heads were to fall upon the tenth? Eighty, replied Payan. Ah, we must not tarry so long. A day may lose an empire. Terrorism must serve us yet. He was silent a few moments, and his eyes roved suspiciously through the street. St. Just, he said abruptly, they have not found this Englishman whose revelations, or whose trial, would have crushed the Amars and the Taliens. No, no, my Jacobins themselves are growing dull and blind. But they have seized a woman, only a woman. A woman's hand stabbed Marat said St. Just. Robespierre stopped short and breathed hard. St. Just, said he, when this peril is past, we will find the reign of peace. There shall be homes and gardens set apart for the old. David is already assigning the porticos. Virtuous men shall be appointed to instruct the young. All vice and disorder shall not be exterminated. No, no, only banished. We must not die yet. Posterity cannot judge us till our work is done. We have recalled Etre Supreme. We must now remodel this corrupted world. All shall be love and brotherhood. And ho, Simon, hold, your pencil, St. Just. And Robespierre wrote hastily. This to Citizen President Dumas. Go with it quick, Simon. These eighty heads must fall to-morrow. To-morrow, Simon. Dumas will advance their trial a day. I will write to Fouquier Tinville, the public accuser. We will meet up the Jacobin to-night, Simon. There we will denounce the convention itself. There we will rally round us the last friends of liberty in France. A shout was heard in the distance behind. Vive la République! The tyrant's eye shot a vindictive gleam. The Republic, fra! We did not destroy the throne of a thousand years for that canaille. The trial, the execution of victims, is advanced a day. By the aid of the mysterious intelligence that had guided and animated him hitherto, Zanoni learned that his arts had been in vain. He knew that Viola was safe, if she could but survive an hour the life of the tyrant. He knew that Robespierre hours were numbered, that the tenth of Thermidor, on which he had originally designed the execution of his last victims, would see himself at the scaffold. Zanoni had toiled, had schemed for the fall of the butcher and his reign. To what end? A single word from the tyrant had baffled the result of all. The execution of Viola is advanced to-day. Vain seer, who wouldst make thyself the instrument of the Eternal? The very dangers that now beset the tyrant, but expedite the doom of his victims. To-morrow, eighty heads, and hers whose pillow has been thy heart. To-morrow, and Maximilian is safe to-night. Earth may crumble back into earth. The spirit will escape from its frail tenement. The wind of the star may scatter his ashes. His being endures forever. Tomorrow, and it's already twilight. One after one, the gentle stars come smiling through the heaven. The sign, with its slow waters, yet trembles with a kiss of the rosy day. And still in the blue sky gleams the spire of Notre Dame. 
and still the blue sky looms the guillotine by the barrier du trone turn to that time-worn building once the church and the convent of the freres preachers known by the then holy name of jacobin there the new jacobin hold their club there in that oblong hall once the library of peaceful monks assemble the idolaters of saint rose pierre two immense tribunes raised at either end contain the lees and dregs of the atrocious populace the majority of that audience consisting of the furies of the guillotine in the midst of the hall are the bureau and the chair of the president the chair long preserved by the piety of monks as the relic of saint thomas aquinas above this seat scowls the harsh bust of brutus an iron lamp and two branches scatter over the vast room a murky feluginous ray beneath the light of which the fierce faces of pandemonium seem more grim and haggard there from the orator's tribune shrieks the shrill wrath of robespierre meanwhile all is chaos disorder half daring and half cowardice in the committee of his foes rumours fly from street to street from haunt to haunt from house to house the swallows flit low and the cattle group together before the storm and above this roar of the lives and things of the little hour alone in his chamber stood he on whose starry youth symbol of the imperishable bloom of the calm ideal mist the mouldering actual clouds of ages had rolled in vain all those exertions which ordinary wit and courage could suggest had been tried in vain all such exertions were in vain where in that saturnalia of death a life was the object nothing but the fall of robespierre could have saved his victims now too late that fall would only serve to avenge once more in that last agony of excitement and despair the seer had plunged into solitude to invoke again the aid or counsel of those mysterious intermediates between earth and heaven who had renounced the intercourse of the spirit when subjected to the common bondage of the mortal in the intense desire and anguish of his heart perhaps lay a power not yet called forth for who has not felt that the sharpness of extreme grief cuts and grinds away many of those strongest bonds of infirmity and doubt which bind down the souls of men to the cabined darkness of the hour and that from the cloud and thunderstorm often swoops the olympian eagle that can ravish us aloft and the invocation was heard the bondage of sense was rent away from the visual mind he looked and saw no not the being he had called with its limbs of light and unutterably tranquil smile not his familiar adonai the sun of glory and the star but the evil omen the dark chimera the implacable foe with exultation and malice burning in its hell-lit eyes the spectre no longer cowering and retreating into shadow rose before him gigantic and erect the face whose veil no mortal hand had ever raised was still concealed but the form was more distinct corporeal and cast from it as an atmosphere horror rage and awe as an iceberg the breath of that presence froze the air as a cloud it filled the chamber and blackened the stars from heaven lo said its voice i am here once more thou hast robbed me of the meaner prey now exercise thyself from my power thy life has left thee to live in the heart of a daughter of the charnel and the worm in that life i came to thee in my inexorable tread thou art returned to the threshold thou whose steps have trodden the verges of the infinite and as the goblin of its fancy seizes on a child in the dark mighty one who wouldst conquer death i seize on thee back to thy thraldom slave if thou art come to voice that called thee not 
it is again not to command but to obey thou from whose whisper i gain the boons of lives lovelier and dearer than my own thou i command thee not by spell and charm but by the force of a soul mightier than the malice of thy being thou serve me yet and speak again the secret that can rescue the lives thou hast by permission of the universal master permitted me to retain a while in the temple of the clay brighter and more devouringly burned the glare from those lurid eyes more visibly and colossal yet rose the dilating shape a yet fiercer and more disdainful hate spoke in the voice that answered didst thou think that my boon would be other than thy curse happy for thee hast thou mourned over the deaths come by the gentle hand of nature hast thou never known how the name of mother consecrates the face of beauty and never bending over thy first-born felt the imperishable sweetness of a father's love they are saved for what the mother for the death of violence and shame and blood for the doomsman hand to put aside that shining hair which has entangled thy bridegroom kisses and the child first and last of thine offspring in whom thou didst hope to found a race that should hear with thee the music of celestial harps and float by the side of thy familiar adonai through the azured rivers of joy the child to live on days as a fungus as a burial vault a thing of the loathsome dungeon dying a cruelty and neglect and famine ha thou wouldst baffle death learn how the deathless die if they dare to love the mortal now chaldean behold thy boons now i seize and wrap thee with the pestilence of my presence now evermore till thy long race is run mine eyes shall grow into thy brain and mine arms shall clasp thee when thou wouldst take the wings of morning and flee the brace of night i tell thee no and again i compel thee seek an answer to the lord who can command his slave i know though my lore fails me and the reeds on which i learned pierce my side i know yet that it is written that the life of which i question can be saved from the headsman thou wrappest her future in the darkness of thy shadow but thou canst not shape it thou mayest foreshadow the antidote thou canst not effect the bane from thee i wring the secret though it torture thee to name it i approach thee i look dauntless into thine eyes the soul that loves can dare all things shadow i defy thee and compel the spectre waned and recoiled like a vapour that lessens as the sun pierces and pervades it the form shrank cowering and dwarfed in the dimmer distance and through the casement again rushed the stars yes said the voice with a faint and hollow accent thou canst save her from the headsman for it is written that sacrifice can save and the shape again suddenly dilated into the gloom of its giant stature and its ghastly laugh exulted as if the foe a moment baffled had regained its might ha ha thou canst save her life if thou wilt sacrifice thy own is it for this thou hast lived on through cumbling empires and countless generations of thy race at last shall death reclaim thee wouldst thou save her die for her fall o stately column over which stars yet unformed may gleam fall that herb at thy base may drink a few hours longer the sunlight and the dews silent art thou ready for the sacrifice see the moon moves up through heaven beautiful and wise one wilt thou bid her smile to-morrow on thy headless clay back for my soul in answering thee from the depths where thou canst not hear it it has regained its glory i hear the wings of adonai gliding musical through the air he spoke 
and with a low shriek of baffled rage and hate the thing was gone and through the room rushed luminous and sudden the presence of silvery light as the heavenly visitor stood in the atmosphere of his own lustre and looked upon the face of the theurgist with an aspect of ineffable tenderness and love all space seemed lighted from his smile along the blue air without from that chamber in which his wings had halted to the far the star in the azure distance it seemed as if the track of his flight were visible by a lengthened splendour in the air like the column of moonlight on the sea like the flower that diffuses perfume as the very breath of its life so the emanation of that presence was joy over the world as a million times swifter than light than electricity the sun of glory had sped his way to the sight of love his wings had scattered delight as morning scatters do from that brief moment poverty had ceased to mourn disease fled from its prey and hope breathed the dream of heaven into the darkness of despair thou art right said the melodious voice thy courage has restored thy power once more in the haunts of earth thy soul charmed me to thy side wiser now in the moment when thou comprehendest death and when thy unfettered spirit learned the solemn mystery of life the human affections that thralled and humbled thee awhile bring to thee in these last hours of thy mortality the sublimest heritage of thy race the eternity that commences from the grave o adonai said the chaldean as circumfused in the splendour of the visitant a glory more radiant than human beauty settled round his form and seemed already to belong to the eternity of which the bright one spoke as men before they die see and comprehend the enigmas hidden from them before so in this hour when the sacrifice to self to bring another brings the course of ages to its goal i see the littleness of life compared to the majesty of death but o oh, divine consoler even here even in thy presence the affections that inspire me sadden to leave behind me in this bad world unaided unprotected those for whom i die the wife the child oh speak comfort to me of this and what said the visitor with a slight accent of reproof in the tone of celestial pity what with all thy wisdom and thy starry secrets with all thy empire of the past and thy vision of the future what art thou to all directing and omniscient canst thou yet imagine that thy presence on earth can give to the hearts thou lovest the shelter which the humblest take from the wings of the presence that lives in heaven fear not thou for their future whether thou live or die their future is the care of the most high in the dungeon and on the scaffold looks everlasting the eye of him tenderer than thou to love wiser than thou to guide mightier than thou to save zanoni bowed his head and when he looked up again the shadow had left his brow the visitor was gone but still the glory of his presence seemed to shine upon the spot still the solitary air seemed to murmur with tremulous delight and thus ever it shall be with those who have once detaching themselves utterly from life received the visit of the angel faith solitude and space retain the splendour and it settles like a halo round their graves then towards the garden star lift up thine aspect warm with love and friend-like linked through space afar mount with him arm in arm above poem to death he stood upon the balcony that overlooked the quiet city though afar the fiercest passions of men were at work on the web of strife and doom all that it gave itself to his view was calm and still in the rays of the summer noon 
for his soul was wrapped from man and man's narrow sphere and only serener glories of creation were present to the vision of the seer there he stood alone and thoughtful to take the last farewell of the wondrous life that he had known coursing through the fields of space he beheld the gossamer shapes whose choral joys his spirit had often shared there group upon group they circled in the starry silence multiform in the unimaginable beauty of a being fed by ambrosial dews and serenest light in his trance all the universe stretched visible beyond in the green valleys afar he saw the dances of the fairies in the bowels of the mountains he beheld the race that breathed the lurid air of the volcanoes and hide from the light of heaven on every leaf in the numberless forests in every drop of the unmeasured seas he surveyed its separate and swarming world far up in the farthest blue he saw orb upon orb ripening into shape and planets starting from the central fire to run their day of ten thousand years for everywhere in creation is the breath of the creator and in every spot where the breath breathes is life and alone in the distance the lonely man beheld his magian brother there at work with his numbers and his cabala amidst the wrecks of rome passionless and calm sat in his cell the mystic mejnor living on living ever while the world lasts indifferent to whether his knowledge produces weal or woe a mechanical agent of a more tender and wiser will that guides every spring to its inscrutable designs living on living ever as science that cares alone for knowledge and halts not to consider how knowledge advances happiness how human improvement rushing through civilization crushes in its march all who cannot grapple to its wheels ever with its cabala and its numbers lives on to change in its bloodless movements the face of the inhabitable world and oh farewell to life murmured the glorious dreamer sweet o oh life hast thou been to me how fathomless thy joys how rapturously has my soul bounded forth upon the upward paths to him who forever renews his youth in the clear fount of nature how exquisite is the mere happiness to be farewell ye lamps of heaven and ye million tribes the populace of air not a mote in the beam not an herb on the mountain not a pebble on the shore not a seed far blown into the wilderness but contributed to the lore that sought in all the true principle of life the beautiful the joyous the immortal to others a land a city a hearth has been a home my home has been wherever the intellect could pierce or the spirit could breathe the air he paused and through the immeasurable space his eyes and his heart penetrating the dismal dungeon rested on his child he saw it slumbering in the arms of the pale mother and his soul spoke to the sleeping soul forgive me if my desire was sin i dreamed to have reared and nurtured thee to the divinest destinies my vision could foresee betimes as the mortal part was strengthened against disease to have purified the spiritual from every sin to have led thee heaven upon heaven through the holy ecstasies which make up the existence of the orders that dwell on high to have formed from thy sublime affections the purer and ever-living communication between thy mother and myself the dream was but a dream it is no more in sight of myself of the grave i feel at last that though the portals of the grave lies the true initiation into the holy and the wise beyond those portals i await ye both beloved pilgrims from his numbers and his cabala in his cell amidst the wrecks of rome mejnor startled looked up and through the spirit felt that the spirit of his distant friend addressed him 
fare thee well for ever upon this earth thy last companion forsakes thy side thine age survives the youth of all and the final day shall find thee still the contemplator of our tombs i go with my free will into the land of darkness but new suns and systems ablaze round us from the grave i go where the souls of those for whom i resign the clay shall be my co-mates through eternal youth at last i recognize the true ordeal and the real victory mejnor cast down thy elixir lay by thy load of years wherever the soul can wander the eternal soul of all things protects it still it was late at night and rene francois dumas the president of the revolutionary tribunal had entered his cabinet on his return from the jacobin club with him were two men who might be said to represent the one moral the other the physical force of the reign of terror fouquier tinville the public accuser and francois henroy the general of the parisian national guard this formidable triumvirate were assembled to debate on the proceeding of the next day and the three sister witches over their hellish cauldron were scarcely animated by a more fiend-like spirit or engaged in more execrable designs than these three heroes of the revolution in their premeditated massacre on the morrow dumas was a little altered in his appearance since in the earlier part of this narrative he was presented to the reader except that in his manner was somewhat more short and severe and his eye yet more restless but he seemed almost a superior being by the side of his associates rene dumas born of respectable parents and well educated despite his ferocity was not without a certain refinement which perhaps rendered him the more acceptable to the precise and formal robespierre but henry had been a lackey a thief a spy of the police he had drunk the blood of madame de la balia and had risen to his present rank for no quality but his ruffianism and fouquier tinville the son of a provincial agriculturist and afterwards a clerk at the bureau of police was little less based in his manners yet more from a certain loathsome buffoonery revolting in his speech bull-headed with black sleek hair with the narrow and livid forehead with small eyes that twinkled with a sinister malice strongly and coarsely built he looked what he was an audacious bully of a lawless and relentless bar dumas trimmed the candles and bent over the list of victims for the morrow it is a long catalogue said the president eighty trials for one day and robespierre's orders to dispatch the whole fournee are unequivocal pooh said fourquet with a coarse loud laugh we must try them in mass i know how to deal with our jury i think citizens that you are convinced of the crime of the accused ha 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 the longer the list the shorter the work oh yes growled out henry with an oath as usual half drunk and lolling in his chair with his spurred heels on the table little tinville is a man for the dispatch citizen henry said dumas gravely permit me to request thee to select another footstool and for the rest let me warn thee that to-morrow is a critical and important day one that will decide the fate of france a fig for little france plague on this talking it is dry work hast thou no odivai in the little cupboard dumas and fouquier exchanged looks of disgust dumas shrugged his shoulders and replied it is to guard thee against odivi citizen general henriot i have requested thee to meet me here listen if thou canst o talk away thy meter is to talk mine to fight and to drink to-morrow i tell thee then the populace will be abroad all factions will be astir it is probable even that they will even ask to arrest our tumbrils on their way to the guillotine have thy men armed and ready 
keep the streets clear cut down without mercy whomsoever may obstruct the ways i understand said henroy striking his sword so loudly that dumas half started at the clank black henroy is no indulgent look to it then citizen look to it and hark thee he added with a grave and sombre brow if thou wouldst keep thine head on thy shoulders beware of the eau de vie my own head sacre militonneries dost thou threaten the general of the parisian army dumas like robespierre a precise atrabilious and arrogant man was about to retort when the craftier tinville laid his hand on his arm and turning to the general said my dear henry thy dauntless republicanism which is too ready to give offence must learn to take a reprimand from the representative of republican law seriously mon cher thou must be sober for the next three or four days after the crisis is over thou and i will drink a bottle together come dumas relax thine austerity and shake hands with our friend no quarrels amongst ourselves dumas hesitated and extended his hand which the ruffian clasped and maudlin tears succeeding his ferocity he half sobbed half hiccuped forth his protestations of civism and his promises of sobriety well we depend on thee mon general said dumas and now since we all shall have need of vigour for to-morrow go home and sleep soundly yes i forgive thee dumas i forgive thee i am not vindictive i but still if a man threatens me if a man insults me and with the quick exchanges of intoxication again his eyes gleamed fire through their foul tears with some difficulty fouquier succeeded in at last soothing the brute and leading him from the chamber but still as some wild beast disappointed of a prey he growled and snarled as his heavy tread descended the stairs a tall trooper mounted was leading henroy's horse to and fro the streets and as the general waited at the porch till his attendant returned a stranger stationed by the wall accosted him general henroy i have desired to speak with thee next to robespierre thou art or shouldst be the most powerful man in france hm yes i ought to be what then every man has not his deserts hist said the stranger thy pay is scarcely suitable to thy rank and thy wants that is true even in a revolution a man takes care of his fortunes diable speak out citizen i have a thousand pieces of gold with me they are thine if thou wilt grant me one small favour citizen i grant it said henry waving his hand majestically it is to denounce some rascal who has offended thee no it is simply this write these words to president dumas admit the bearer to thy presence and if thou canst grant him the request he will make to thee it will be an inestimable obligation to francois henry the stranger as he spoke placed pencil and tablets in the shaking hands of the soldier and where is the gold here and with some difficulty henry scrawled the words dictated to him clutched the gold mounted his horse and was gone meanwhile fouquier when he had closed the door upon henry said sharply how canst thou be so mad as to incense that brigand knowest thou not that our laws are nothing without the physical force of the national guard and that he is their leader i know this that robespierre must have been mad to place that drunkard at their head and mark my words fouquier if the struggle come it is that man's incapacity and cowardice that will destroy us thou mayst live thyself to accuse thy beloved robespierre and to perish in his fall for all that we must keep well with henry till we can find the occasion to seize and behead him to be safe we must fawn on those who are still in power and fawn the more the more we would dispose them do not think this henry when he wakes to-morrow 
will forget thy threats he is the most revengeful of human beings thou must send and soothe him in the morning right said dumas convinced i was too hasty and now i think we have nothing further to do since we have arranged to make short work of our fournay to-morrow i see in the list a knave i have long marked out though his crime once procured me a legacy nicot the hebertist and young andre chenier the poet ah i forgot we beheaded him to-day revolutionary virtue is its acme his own brother abandoned him there is a foreigner an italian woman on the list but i can find no charge made out against her all the same we must execute her for the sake of the round number eighty sounds better than seventy-nine here a Hussier brought a newspaper on which was written the request of henry ah this is fortunate said tinville to whom dumas chucked the scroll grant the prayer by all means so at least that it does not lessen our beadroll but i will do henry the justice to say that he never asks to be let off but to put on good night i am worn out my escort waits below only on such an occasion would i venture forth in the streets at night and forquier with a long yawn quitted the room admit the bearer said dumas who withered and dried as lawyers in practice mostly are seemed to require as little sleep as his parchments the stranger entered rene francois dumas said he seating himself opposite to the president and markedly adopting the plural as if in contempt of the revolutionary jargon amidst the excitement and occupations of your latter life i know not if you can remember that we have met before the judge scanned the features of his visitor and a pale blush settled on his sallow cheeks yes citizen i remember and you recall the words i then uttered you spoke tenderly and philanthropically of your horror of capital executions you exulted in the approaching revolution as the termination of all sanguinary punishments you quoted reverently the saying of maximilian robespierre the rising statesman the executioner is the invention of the tyrant and i replied that while you spoke a forbidding seized me that we should meet again when your ideas of death and philosophy of revolutions might be changed was i right citizen rene francois dumas president of the revolutionary tribunal pooh said dumas with some confusion on his brazen bow i spoke then as men speak who have not acted revolutions are not made with rose-water but truce to the gossip of the long ago i remember also that thou didst save the life of my relation and it will please thee to learn that his intended murderer will be guillotined to-morrow that concerns yourself your justice or your revenge permit me the egotism to remind you that you then promised that if ever a day should come when you could serve me your life yes the phrase was your heart's blood was at my bidding think not austere judge that i come to ask a boon that can affect yourself i come but to ask a day's respite for another citizen it is impossible i have the order of robespierre that not one less than the total on my list must undergo their trial for to-morrow as for the verdict that rests with the jury i do not ask you to diminish the catalogue listen still in your death-roll there is the name of an italian woman whose youth whose beauty and whose freedom not only from every crime but every tangible charge will excite only compassion and not terror even you would tremble to pronounce her sentence it will be dangerous on a day when the populace will be excited when your tumbrils may be arrested to expose youth and innocence and beauty to the pity and courage of a revolted crowd dumas looked up and shrunk from the eye of the stranger 
i do not deny citizen that there is reason in what thou urgest but my orders are positive positive only as to the number of victims i offer you a substitute for this one i offer you the head of a man who knows all of the very conspiracy which now threatens robespierre and yourself and compared with one clue to which you would think even eighty ordinary lives a cheap purchase this alters the case said dumas eagerly if thou canst do this on my own responsibility i will postpone the trial of the italian now name the proxy you behold him thou exclaimed dumas while a fear he could not conceal betrayed itself through his surprise thou and thou comest to me alone at night to offer thyself to justice ha this is a snare tremble fool thou art in my power and i can have both you can said the stranger with a calm smile of disdain but my life is valueless without my revelations sit still i command you hear me and the light in those dauntless eyes spellbound and awed the judge you will remove me to the concierge you will fix my trial under the name of zanoni amidst your forney of to-morrow if i do not satisfy you by my speech you hold the woman i die to save as your hostage it is but the reprieve for her a single day that i demand the day following the morrow i shall be dust and you may wreak your vengeance on the life that remains tush judge and condemner of thousands do you hesitate do you imagine that the man who voluntarily offers himself to death will be daunted into uttering one syllable at your bar against his will have you not experienced enough of the inflexibility of pride and courage president i take before you the ink and implements write to the jailer a reprieve of one day for the woman whose life can avail you nothing and i will bear the order to my own prison i who can now tell this much as an earnest of what i can communicate while i speak your own name judge is in a list of death i can tell you by whose hand it is written down i can tell you in what quarter to look for danger i can tell you from what cloud in this lurid atmosphere hangs the storm that shall burst upon robespierre and his reign dumas grew pale and his eyes vainly sought to escape the magnetic gaze that overpowered and mastered him mechanically as if under an agency not his own he wrote while the stranger dictated well he said then forcing a smile to his lips i promised i would serve you see i am faithful to my word i suppose that you are one of those fools of feeling those professors of anti-revolutionary virtue of whom i have seen not a few before my bar Fah, it sickens me to see those who make merit of incivism and perish to save some bad patriot because it is a son or a father or a wife or a daughter who is saved i am one of those fools of feeling said the stranger rising you have divined aright and wilt thou not in return for my mercy utter to-night the revelations thou wouldst proclaim to-morrow come and perhaps thou too nay the woman may also receive not reprieve but pardon before your tribunal and there alone nor will i deceive you president my information may avail you not and even while i show the cloud the bolt may fall tush prophet look to thyself go madman go i know too well the contumacious obstinacy of the class to which i suspect thou belongest to waste further words diable but ye grow so accustomed to look on death that ye forgot to respect ye owe to it since thou offerest me thy head i accept it to-morrow thou mayst repent it will be too late ay too late president echoed the calm visitor 
but remember it is not pardon but it is a day's reprieve i have promised to this woman according as thou dost satisfy me to-morrow she lives or dies i am frank citizen thy ghost shall not haunt me for want of faith it is but a day that i have asked and the rest i leave to justice and to heaven your hussiers wait below End of chapter 29 Recording by Kirk Ziegler, Ogden, Utah, voiceover-solutions.com